Welcome everyone to the introduction of a new podcast called Mo Murders. My name is Chloe. And I'm Marley. And we'll be your hosts for the show and we have to say we're absolutely thrilled to be here and share these gruesome stories, as twisted as that sounds. If you clicked on the podcast, it's good to know that we're not alone. During the podcast, we'll be sharing some of the most heinous acts ever seen in history. We're going to take turns telling each other stories without letting the other know the case beforehand. And every fifth episode, we'll have what we call the big hitter, which are the worst of the worst. Before we start, we'd like to give kind of a rundown on one, what makes us so drawn to these kinds of acts. For me personally, it's the idea that these people look normal on the surface, and at any given point, they're doing things that are our worst nightmares. And for me, it's the psychology behind it. It was something I was super interested in college, and to this day, I just love continuing to learn about it. So with that, Marley's going to take over and get rolling on the first episode. All right, today's case is the case of Peyton Launer. Hopefully I'm saying that right, but it's a crazy case. I'm super excited for it to be the first one that Chloe hears, but we're just going to jump right in. Let's go ahead. In 2014, two 12-year-old girls were charged with first attempt degree intentional homicide on their best friend. In Waukesha, Wisconsin, on Saturday, May 31st, 2014, just before 10 a.m., Detective Michelle Trousseau and Tom Casey got the shocking call that a passerby had found a 12-year-old girl stabbed and laying on the side of the road. That girl was Peyton Lauer, and she had been stabbed 19 times by her two best friends, who were also 12. Oh my god, 19 times? 19 times. Two 12-year-olds. 19 times. But we're going to go ahead and start at the beginning of the story, and I'm going to tell you about Peyton and Morgan's friendship. They became friends in fourth grade when Peyton approached Morgan, who was sitting alone at lunch. They quickly became friends, and they hung out every day. They had sleepovers often, and the two were inseparable. Always together, literally like me and you, pretty much. I was going to say, please don't stab me 19 <laughs> times. <laughs> I don't think I could go that far, but... <laughs> Morgan said later in her interrogation video that Morgan was her only friend for a really long time. And when the interrogator asked why, she just said it had to be that way, which was like really eerie and creepy. Oh, God. But two years later, after their friendship began in fourth grade, they gained a new best friend named Anissa. Anissa kind of pushed Peyton into the background of the friendship. Three-way friendships are always hard. Usually one person always gets left out. And this was exactly the case here. Anissa also wasn't the nicest to Peyton. So Peyton began to make new friends, which drove an even bigger wedge between the girls because Anissa was jealous that Peyton was so easily making more friends. I don't know what to say about that. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's just like a typical thing. Like three-way friendships just usually don't work. I was going to say that's why you should never go in threes. Yeah, because we were a three-way friendship, and look at us now. I know. Yeah, that's a good point. Just us two. But later, Peyton tells an interviewer that when she became friends with other people, that's when the relationship just went downhill very quickly. Peyton and Anissa became obsessed with a creepy pasta called Slenderman. Peyton was terrified of Slenderman, but went along with her friends because they liked it. So the girls tormented Peyton. They would send her texts saying Slenderman's going to get you or they would leave pictures of him in her locker. And Morgan also liked Slenderman so much she believed that he was real. Peyton 
quickly started pushing herself even farther away from the friend group, but she wasn't the type of person to just ditch her friends and not talk to them anymore. So they kind of stayed as like her background friends that she kind of talked to sometimes. And it was also hard for her to just ditch her relationship that she had with Morgan for so long. A little bit of a background on Slenderman. He's obviously not real. He's a creepypasta that was created in 2009 for a Photoshop contest. Hold on. Can I stop you? Yeah. Are you saying pasta? Pasta. Creepypasta. You've never heard of that? I've, ne- I've never heard of that. It's like a big website where people write their own scary stories and people like read them. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Carry so on. he's a creepypasta that was created for a Photoshop contest. He's unrealistically tall. He's a faceless man who stalks children. He shows up in the background of pictures of, with children in them, and the children in those pictures soon go missing, quote, unquote. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I was terrified of Slenderman. I remember when he got, like, big, big. We were probably, like, in middle school, maybe early high school, and I was so scared of Slenderman. I could not stop looking him up, and I just freaked myself out oh, my so God. bad. Yeah. The girls had been planning a sleepover party for Morgan for months, and the day had finally come. May 30th was a Friday night. The girls went to a roller rink and got pizza, and then they went home and played with dolls. But unlike most sleepover nights, Morgan did not want to stay up late. She told the girls she was tired and she just wanted to go to sleep. The next day when the girls woke up, Peyton was alone and the other two girls were already eating breakfast without her, which like furthers on the whole like three best friendships are not a good thing. They decided they wanted to go to the park, which never happened without an adult. But since it was Morgan's birthday, her mother let them go just the three girls. Little did Peyton know that in December of the past year, the girls had started to plan Peyton, a.k.a. Bella, which is a nickname they had for her because they had another Peyton in their school, so they just called her Bella instead. Morgan tells Anissa that they have to prove themselves worthy to Slenderman and be his proxy, and they have to kill somebody in order to live in his mansion. My question is, what are the parents like? I actually watched some interviews about, like, all of the moms. I think it was a 2020 episode, and Peyton... Her parents, like, they seem really cool. She's obviously the victim. Uh, Morgan's mom is like, I never saw anything was wrong with her. But then at one point she goes, you know what? Morgan, or yeah, Morgan never shows emotion. She watched Bambi when she was a kid. And when the mom died, she never cried. Oh, red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I think I thought that was a red flag and whatever. But her mom was like, she was normal. And then she said something like that. And I was like, I don't think that's normal, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. So once arriving at the park, the girls went into the bathroom. They're playing games, whatever. They all went into the bathroom. Anissa attempts to knock out Peyton, but fails. Peyton is annoyed, but the other girls play it off as a joke, and they leave the bathroom and continue playing in the park. Next, the girls decide to play hide-and-go-seek in the woods, and this is where the attack happens. As Peyton goes to hide, Morgan tells Anissa that she is going to have to tackle Peyton to the ground And then Morgan will start stabbing her. Later in her interrogation, Morgan says, we got her to play with us because people who trust you become gullible. And it's sort of sad. She's 12 years old. And she's saying this right after she murders her best friend, that people are gullible. It's just, it just blew my mind watching the interrogations. It was so creepy to watch the interrogations. I just can't wrap my head around that. 
Morgan and Anissa debate back and forth who should be the one to stab Peyton. And Anissa states that she is too squeamish and gives the knife to Morgan, telling her she just has to do it. Morgan agrees and says, okay, well, then you're going to have to tell me when to do it. So they walk over to where Morgan is hiding and Anissa screams, now, go ballistic, go crazy, make sure she's down. And Morgan starts stabbing Peyton all over her body. Or as she later says in her interrogation, she just goes stab, 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 stab. And you can see her arm in the video like making these stabbing motions while she's recalling the event. The girls both recall how Peyton is screaming for them to stop, that she hates them and she can't see. And I think it's because she has blood in her eyes yeah, and she I'm can't sure. see what's going on. It was, it's crazy. Anissa tells Morgan to stop stabbing her after 19 stabs. They then tell Peyton that they're going to go get help. Peyton knows the girls are lying and that she might be about to die, but she draws all of her strength left over in her body and somehow crawls to a nearby road where she's found by a man riding a bike. He then calls 911 and Peyton is transported to a nearby hospital. No one knows if this innocent 12-year-old girl is going to live or not. Five hours later, sitting on the side of the road, the two girls are found and transported over to a police station. Both the girls are dirty and covered in blood. They both are calm and somehow not freaking out after they've just stabbed their friend. To their knowledge, she's dead. And both the interrogation videos I watched, it's just insane to see how these girls are just sitting and acting like nothing's wrong. Anissa somewhat seems upset. She, I say this lightly because she keeps like talking like she's crying and then going back to her story. Like yeah. she's like, and then we did this. But then we just got up and we walked away and we did this. So, like, it sounds like she's fake Definitely, crying. like, sociopath kind of energy over there. 100%. Because she's not really crying 100%. How could you not be dead, though, after 19 steps? We'll get there later. Okay. <laughs> she's definitely a 12-year-old girl who doesn't understand the severity of what has just happened. Anissa doesn't even know what Miranda rights are when the detective is like, I have to read your Miranda rights to you. She oh doesn't know what goodness. they are. Yeah, like, she murdered somebody and she doesn't even know what Miranda rights are. She's just so young and naive. She tells the detective in her interview that the girls were lionesses and they chased Peyton down like a zebra and attacked her. And that Morgan said Slenderman would kill their families if they didn't do this. So now we're just going to jump over to Morgan's interrogation video because they're both pretty long and I just picked out, like, the most shocking things. Yeah. Morgan seems really calm and actually bored in her video. She's seen laying with her head on the table. She then is getting up in circles, walking around, and singing. She, because the detective wasn't in the room yet, they were, like, talking about what they were going to question them about and stuff. She asked if Bella, Peyton, because yeah. that's what they call her, is dead. And when the te- detective says, no, she's still alive, she just goes, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Just mm-hmm. my friend I've been friends with for, like, five years. Okay. I couldn't imagine what the de- like the detectives are thinking, right? They probably are just like they've seen adults have this behavior, but they probably can't even comprehend that a twelve year old can act like this. Yeah, it's crazy to me. Morgan tells the detectives straight up that she was trying to kill Peyton. She keeps trying to put on all the blame on Anissa, but I personally think Morgan probably came up with all of this on her own. She tells the detectives that whoever the man Alyssa tells them about is the person who chose Peyton to be their victim. Slender Man is the, obviously the name of the man, but 
Morgan plays it off like she doesn't know who he is. Morgan also says that their plan was flawless and Peyton should be dead. I can't believe she's not dead. I know. It's pretty wild that she lives. The girls had talked about it every day for the last six months. They even had code words for things that they didn't want people to overhear behind them on the bus. They had three plans to kill Peyton and the first two failed. Three plans. They thought about this for six months. The first plan was to kill Peyton in her sleep. That's why Morgan wanted to go to bed early the night before the sleepover. They planned to duct tape her mouth and stab her in the neck and then leave. Morgan had an alarm set up to wake her up in the middle of the night, and she put headphones on so nobody else would wake up. But when she woke up at 3 in the morning, she decided she was too tired and went back to sleep. I know this is kind of off topic, not really, but, like, I was bullied, so girls are evil. You know, like, girls and guys are different whenever it comes to, like friendships in my opinion but this is a whole other level of girl evil (laughs) oh yeah 100 percent. the second plan was to kill peyton in the bathroom stall which is when they hit her in the head in the bathroom earlier in the story the girls read that it was easier to kill somebody if they were asleep or unconscious and they didn't have to look him in the eyes so that's why they tried to knock her out so they didn't have to look into the eyes anissa banged peyton's head against a concrete in the bathroom attempting to knock her out, but she didn't pass out, so they lost their nerve. They planned planned to out while they were playing dress-up earlier, still at the house. Back at the hospital in surgery, the doctors discovered if the knife had even went in on a human hair deeper, like if the, if the knife had went in, Peyton, a human hair deeper, she would have died. That's how close she was to dying. What? How is this girl not bled out? I think they found her so fast. She had five stab wounds in her arm, seven on her leg, and the rest were spread all over her torso and her ribs. So now we're going to jump into the case. Like, they're... Like, how do you charge two 12-year-old girls, you know? Yeah. So we're going to jump into that, how they charge them. It's pretty insane. In Wisconsin, under circuital... In Wisconsin, under certain crimes, they can be tried as an adult under the age of 18. It was a big debate as should they be tried as adults because they're only 12. Do they know the severity of what they did? Their minds aren't fully developed. But when they went through the girls' stuff, they found some really weird shit. They found a lot of weird drawings of Slenderman. They found deformed Barbie dolls. Like, they deformed Barbie dolls and crazy stuff. There was just a bunch of signs that the girls were not okay and it kind of seems like their parents were just ignoring them. The girls also, on their search history, were looking up ways to get away with murder. Oh my goodness. I was so plain with Barbies. I know. At 12 years old, I didn't even think about murder. No. But they also looked up how to plead criminally insane. Okay. That's weird. It makes me feel like they're definitely competent. They were held in jail for months waiting for their day in court, which usually doesn't happen, but they just didn't know if these these girls were just so unpredictable. They were just so terrified what they would do if they were out of jail. Morgan's mom was, wasn't was surprised because she said she never shows a more emotion, 
and her biological dad actually had schizophrenia. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what's like the history going here with the families? Morgan was then diagnosed with early onset schizophrenia, which usually is not caught that young, but because her father had it, they knew to look into it. Yeah, 100%. So as the trial happens, Anessa Weber goes to trial first in 2017. She pleads guilty. They still go to trial to debate if she should go to prison or a mental hospital. The jury debates for 11 hours and decides she should go to a state mental institute for 25 years. She's currently 17 now, now like right now, mm-hmm. and she'll be released when she's 37 because of a decision she made when she was 12 years old. I mean, what happens after 37, though? You know, like how do... So there's actually a lot of debate on if Anissa would have done that if she was not friends with Morgan and I don't think she would because there's actually like some kind of diagnostic where if you're befriending somebody who's criminally or just insane it like rubs off on you I can't remember what the name of it is right now but whatever so Morgan goes to trial next she pleads guilty as well but she gets 40 years in a mental institution and is currently 17 as well 40 years. She'll be 52 when she gets out. Hopefully she'll be rehabilitated by then and be on medication. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think she'll be fine because she'll be in treatment for so long. She'll be on medication for her schizophrenia and hopefully have a good head on her shoulders by then. I'm hoping so, but like... How do you even live with someone when you know that they've done those things? You know, like, what are the parents thinking at this point, right? I don't know. I know. How do you look at your kid the same after yeah. they've done something like that? I don't that? know. So, to Peyton now, she recently graduated from high school and seems to be thriving. She yes. says if she could, she would thank Morgan for what happened because it made her a stronger person. She loves the person she's become because of this event and... She just seems really happy. I saw her in an interview, and she's just, like, shining. She went to prom. I saw her prom picture. Oh, that makes me so happy. That her, I'm so happy that her whole life wasn't taken away from her at yeah. years old. You know how hard it would be to bounce back from something like that? I mean, I don't know. I wonder if she still has, like, scars all over her. She probably does. Yeah. Because, I mean, the knife was a pretty gnarly knife that they used. I still can't believe she didn't bleed out. I know. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy case. I'm so happy that she lived, honestly. Me too. Absolutely. And that's the insane survivor story of Peyton Lauer. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you're looking forward to more episodes, we'll be uploading every Sunday. And if you'd like to see pictures based around today's case, check us out on Instagram at MoMurders. And that's spelled M-O-M-U-R-D-E-R-S. If you have any extra time to leave a review on whatever listening platform you're currently on, that would help our channel grow immensely. Oh, and one more thing. If you got kids, go check on them. Yeah, go ask them about their day. (laughs) Catch you guys next week.